Hello and welcome to Just One Corneto, a Greenup Morton podcast. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. All of our panellists appear in a personal capacity and as such, any views expressed are personal to them. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Titan Spice Rum is inspired by Clydeside heritage and another Clyde's incredible scenery. Their carefully selected aged rums are infused with Scottish raspberries, golden syrup and exotic spices. Titan Spice Rum is blended using the finest Caledonian water whilst retaining its spiritual Caribbean DNA. Titan Spice Rum and Titan Orange Rum are available to order today. Visit titanspiritsltd.com to secure your order. Titan Spiced Rum Reggae Retro. Hello and welcome to the Just One Connecto podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dunning, and joining me we have Mr Ewan Boyle. How are you? Oh, listen, Craig, it's fantastic to be back. It's been a long time coming, but it's good to be here. Delighted to have you, Mr Alan Coyle. I'm absolutely fine. Absolutely great. Honoured to be in such esteemed company this evening. Good stuff. And Mr Chrissy Dodds. What's happening? Thanks for having me on, mate. No, nope, no problem. So, we're here to discuss Morton's 1-0 win over Wraith on Saturday. Uh, Morton took the lead after just two minutes through Alex King and could have added more than a flying start before Wraith grew into the game. But Morton survived that pressure before two late red cards for Tom Lang and Lewis Vaughan, Lewis Vaughan and saw the game out. Uh, so, starting 11, one change after the Dundee game with uh, Grant Gillespie being replaced by Alex King. Uh, were you surprised by that after Dougie Emery's comments last week, Alan? Well, uh, yes, and his, his immediate comments after the game, although uh, it had been pointed out to me that uh, in his pre-match, so I don't know if that would have been Thursday, um, kind of presser, club presser, that he appeared to have kind of rode back a wee bit uh, on things. Um, I think Dougie's quite a passionate guy, um, and when he's, he's getting interviewed 10, 15, 20 minutes after a game. Um, he's kind of struggling to kind of hold his emotions. I think as well as that, He's maybe get the opportunity to watch things back a wee bit as well. Um, a wee, wee bit surprising, but um, yeah, it's, it, especially in that his captain has kind of been dropped out. Um, but again, that is something to kind of emphasise is that it's a 90 minute game. Quite often, it's about the strength of the team that you finish with as much as the you start with, and having the ability to bring on Blues and, and Gillespie uh, when we did was 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 also quite good. Aye, uh, anything to add to that, Yubo? Uh, no, just very much similar to, to what Alan said. Um, obviously, Dougie was very vocal last week. Um, and as, as Alan said, the, his immediate reaction was that he was um, expecting King to kind of push on from, from what was said last week. And he very much did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, I'm delighted to see King, delighted to see McGrattan. Both, both of them I really, really like. So uh, they can certainly start. Every week for all I care. So I was very happy to, to, to see the two of them. And it was good to see King kicking on as Dougie had expected. I, I did wonder if uh, just the way he'd spoken about King last week and then putting him in the team, was there maybe a bit of an admission on Dougie's part that oh, maybe realistically the season is is done and he's just sort of given a young guy a chance to play as much first-team football as possible. But uh, yeah, th- I think... Uh, that was it took 120 seconds for that to be dispelled. That you saw that aye, some people do question sort of how harsh Emery goes in the players sometimes. But you see, I thought you saw the King's performance in general, and especially with getting that goal so early, that it actually has worked. 
and motivating them. I go ahead, Chris. Uh, I think you're pretty much bang on with what you said there. Um, although, I'd, I mean, I, I, I've seen Diggy gutted on a few occasions, but none really kind of summed it up more than them after last week. Um, he really was looking at, not a beaten man, but really frustrated at how he sided, kind of thrown it away. Um, and I thought per- I thought personally that he'd maybe stick by what he said and try to prove a point of, no, this is, like, if he's kind of, don't get your act together, this is what's going to happen. But um, to see, I, th- I thought both King and McGrattan would drop out purely because of how McGrattan faded in the game eventually, up at Den's Park. But it was gladly for Oven wrong to see the pair of them starting. Um, it was it was a bold decision to make, but it definitely it definitely paid off. Um, like Yubo and Alan have said, um, obviously Kingy getting his getting his goal quite early on, and the impact that he had coming from deep um, was was very good, especially for the for the hour that he was on the park. So um, I was it was it was surprising, but the rest of the team kind of kind of picked itself. I think I think on that as well. We're at the stage of the season where you've, I mean, we've got to be bold, and I certainly think playing the two of them uh, as bold, uh, as much as they are very, very good players and very, very ready for, for this uh, division, I, I don't think they're the norm that you, you wouldn't see and you're starting 11 for Morton. That certainly McGrattan, I know certainly during well, but um, there would be some fans saying yes, some fans saying no. King, I don't think many people would would say he should be in the starting eleven, and I don't mean that at all against him as a player. I just mean as other options are there, um, people would probably prefer other options ahead of King. So you've certainly got to be bold, um, and I think he, he was bold in making them two decisions, and they've. I, I mean, I certainly think they paid off. But aye, so as we said, yeah, we could have had could have had more than one in that first 10-20 minutes. Even inside the first five minutes, we had McGrattan getting to the byline, cutting it back. We had Waters making a very similar run in five-minute cross goal. A really encouraging first 20 minutes. Can you... Like, I don't, we've mentioned King and McGrattan, right? <clears throat> I think I, I don't think we can let go um, Calvin Miller's contribution to the goal. Oh, yeah, anything, And as well as that, the, the role that he played. Now, the kind of thinking about this... Um, He's he's a two footed player as well. Um, right there, isn't he? He's he's Aye, right. He played very two footed. Yeah, uh-huh. and that that is the one thing that you could see about the goal. Um, he's the way that he took it, the way that he skipped by, the pace that he showed. Right, we've been kind of bemoaning, obviously, the the injuries to Jai Tongo and how we missed Jai Tongo. Um, the way that he scored, the way that he set up that goal, he's hugging the touchline. He's playing a similar way to to how we've seen Jai attacking with one difference in that he's delivering a ball into the area that Jai maybe wouldn't in those circumstances. And as well as that, the fact that he's absolutely had the, had his full back and toes because he's gone one way, looks as though he's going to swing an in-swinger and then he's done him on the outside and he's put a cracking ball on his right foot uh, as well. Um, I wasn't thinking this a few weeks ago, but I would be delighted actually if we could keep a hold of him. But that's, that's just me. I, I, I thought in that first 20 minute spell, as much as... King was dominating the ball as much as McGrattan was 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 doing well as well. I thought um I thought on the other side of Camilla well, was excellent as well. But and as well as that, see what you're saying about the chances. I was actually really frustrated with them because I'm thinking, see for those positions when you've the, the space that they were in to deliver them, we should we we we, we should be capitalising in them. And whether it's strikers no making gambling runs or whatever, or whether the balls were not as good, I don't know, but. Um, 
for how we how well we started, not taking them chances in the first five minutes actually gave them allowed them to be back in it because we, after fifteen minutes we they should have been gone. We should have been out of sight. Yeah, I think you're spot on about Miller. Um, it's it's really good to see because yeah, I think he had a real sort of stop start beginning to his Morton career. And one thing that I was saying sort of as recently as uh, when the starting eleven was announced for the Hamilton game was that. Every time he'd played on the right prior to that, uh, th- th- those were generally his worst performances for Morton. And uh, sort of, despite being two-footed, I'd, I'd sort of already come to a view of right. If we're playing Calvin Miller, you play him on the left, you don't play him at all because he had had a couple of games on the right and hadn't looked good at all. But yeah, that's now in the last two games that he's you know he's not just played very well throughout from the right, but he's set up goals from the right, and it's been two very different crosses. Uh, Oh, in that scenario as well, against Dundee, it was cutting inside his man, putting an excellent ball to the back post against, uh, and then, yeah, against Wraith on Saturday there. It's been going outside, turning the full-back inside out and sort of swinging it in, on, in with the right foot. So, yeah, it's very good to see. And I, where a few weeks ago, I, I wouldn't have been first if we didn't offer him a contract in the summer. I think now, OK, it's, it's only been three games since, but the way he's playing, I think he's very much earning himself a new deal. I think on the chances as well, I mean, I turned to my dad um, after the first 10, 15 minutes and said this could be three or four. And I genuinely thought it, it could have been for that point. We were absolutely scudding them. I mean, I properly scudding them. And I think that, um, listen, we've got these chances. Uh, Robbie Dummy in it when, when he probably should have shot. I mean, has somebody shouted on him from behind that... that to leave it so they can finish it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but all these chances were certainly building up, and it got to a point where I genuinely thought we we're going to go on and hammer them. Um, and obviously that didn't transpire. But I, I certainly thought that the first 15, 20 minutes was really, really good and really encouraging. If we can take that on in the last few games, um, I would, I would be in no doubt that that we could go and get. Um, probably maximum points, which seems mental to say, but if you play like the first 15 minutes, there's nothing stopping you getting maximum points for the last two games. It's almost as if the chances came too early for the strikers, because um, I think for both, um, when Callum Waters just put the ball across the box, and then obviously when McGratton's put the ball across the box, I, the two balls coming across the left-hand side, both Muirhead and Oakley have been caught in their heels, kind of. So and then like you said I don't know if there was a shout for somebody to leave it or whatever because it did it just seemed that the striker at the back post was just waiting for it to come to them as opposed to they're running onto it and hitting it um, but aye it was pure domination in the first in the first 10 minutes at least because um, there, was, there was those three clear chances um, it was kind of like Newcastle v Tottenham in a way just a wee kind of wee build up to that um, but you could I think he was saying it for weeks in the build up like we played worse than one over the course of the season so it was about time that you kind of over the course of it maybe not played to the best of your abilities and, and get three points it, that could be the, the catalyst to go and get maximum points in the final three games that kind of puts you in pole position of your own destiny of whatever could happen between now and the 5th of May you know what I mean so um, I the full game though just kind of felt a bit. I put it. I put it in the in the chat about how I think it was about half an hour in. I just went. This feels a bit weird. It just it felt as if it could have built built up into so much, and then it just kind of fell off the pace. Just kind of went off the boil. Yeah, I think to, um, to some extent, I think that had to do with well, Wraith's season being being over, and 
the fact they, they only had 13 outfield players. Yeah, exactly. The extent of the injury problems they've got as well. So, aye, there was almost a bit of a friendly vibe from Wraith. But for all that, they did sort of after that first 20 minutes where you're thinking we were going to end up winning 5 or 6 nil. After that first 20 minutes, they did really grow into the game and just imposed themselves in the midfield a bit, which I think, with the, you know, despite the injury problems, they still got. Uh, still got a player as good as Scott Brown in there you're not going to have it all plain sailing uh, for, for 90 minutes um, with a player of that calibre up against you but f- for all that you know, they did sort of start to assert themselves in midfield they still didn't really create anything with it for, for the rest of that first half Schwocky was going to I thought Brown had a quiet game and for from what I saw of him at the start of his Wraith career where he was getting on the ball and he was making things happen I didn't really think a lot went through him to be fair I thought they did quite a good job of just keeping that midfield not quiet but not letting them work to the effect effectiveness that they thought they could do. Yeah, I mean, I think it was more it was more of imposing himself in the game on disrupting us as opposed to what he's doing with the ball at his feet himself. But yeah, yeah, I would take your point there that I he was still quite quiet in possession. I would say, I hundred percent. I sorry, but I so start the second half. We sort of just had similar carry, carry on where we left off towards the end of the first half. And then triple sub after 57 minutes with Blues, Gillespie and Ali Crawford on for uh, McGratton, Miller and Alex King. Um, what did you make of that sub, Yubo? Uh, I, 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 was, I was happy to see that. Um, I, I think for all we would have been going uh, to get more goals and pretty much secure it, I, I think maybe, and who am I to, to judge, but um, possibly there was a thought of we've got a few other massive games that are coming up and do, do we need all three of them on just now? Um, I, I, that might have been in his head. Um, but yeah, I, w- I was more than happy to, to see them coming on. It made total sense. And, and I certainly think they, they were effective when they came on, albeit we didn't get the goal, but they certainly um, they were certainly doing their job when they came on. I, I thought that the substitutes the, the substitutions were absolutely the right time, though. Um, it was at a period that I felt they were getting a, a lot more joy. They they were dominating possession at that point in the second half. Um, they were they were all of a sudden get, kind of getting the balls in wide areas. Whereas I felt that uh, Miller it was pinning back was it in Gwenya in the first half and Gwenya was getting forward a lot more, which was allowing like Savon and Connolly and I'm trying to remember who the, the other kind of the white wide player that they had was Ethan as Ross. well Ethan Ross as well were kind of coming into things at, at the point that I felt that King and McGratton were kind of starting to drop out of it um, and I felt that the the, the, I, the the substitutions you could you kind of turn to a pal and said that, that I think this is the time I think you could maybe do the game King a wee rest here so obviously bringing on and, and at that point when you bring them on it's, it's it's very similar to the to the side that we've run with before, where uh, we call Lesbian Blues <clears throat> and allowing Robbie Crawford to kind of press on one, kind of pushing uh, Muirhead kind of over a wee bit as well. Um, aye, I, 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 I thought I thought it was actually good and timely substitutions, to be honest with you. Um, so, uh, yeah. It was almost as if the the shot for Louis Vaughan was the way like the wee warning sign yeah. that it needed to happen. Because yeah. there was there was that wee spell down in that right hand corner where you had McGratton and Callum Waters maybe not clearing their lines in the way that they should be to the point of you actually had to go and making a point of everybody could hear it going, What are they doing? What what do they think they're doing? They're, they're just jogging, they're not getting back behind the ball, yeah. they're not stopping crosses, getting into the box. And it was between uh, I think 
I Vaughn had the two shots. He had that one that hit the bar and obviously bounced off the line. Then he had the half volley for the left hand side as well that went into the side netting. Yeah. Um, and then that's when the subs. I think that's when the subs came. But it was. I think if they if they'd have maybe waited five minutes more to make those subs, it could have been a totally different scenario that they were coming on into. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, it was it was a great call. I think. Yeah, I agree. It was completely the right time, and I thought it was it was the right subs as well. Um. I mean, I think you were always likely to see Blues and Gillespie come on, but from that point, it did just really close the space down in midfield, and they weren't getting into the same positions after that. I thought Blues in particular was excellent. I just, uh, not that King had had a bad game by any stretch of the imagination, but Blues was just everywhere, and with the changes as well, it really confined the space for them. And there was that moment within, within five minutes of coming on, it was where sort of Blues has gone into a tackle, won it, had three race players around him, and still managed to. Yeah, sort of dance away from it and clear his lines. I thought I kind of brought that level headedness into the middle of the park. Yeah, that maybe Gillespie was bringing in the first half of the season, but Bluesy just seems to have kind of came into his own with that now. And he's the one that's he's just popping up in those right places at the right time. And that's quite a hard skill to quite a hard skill to have. Aye. So for him to have that so young, it's quite I'm not saying he's not. I think he's one of the the boys you class in the middle now, but he's in that the lower part of that bracket. But it's quite promising that you've got him for another 12 months tied up as well. Playing with confidence, I think you could see in Saturday there in almost like, a, I, I, I wouldn't quite say a leader on the part, but he was shown, you could tell he was shown a wee bit of leadership. It was a, it, it was exactly what we needed at that point where I never going. Uh, and as you're saying, possibly at that point where Scott Brown's starting to get a wee bit of a foothold in the game um, and it's probably no much a, a, a surprise that they subbed was it, was it McGill that they had in the middle alongside him and they subbed him pretty much mm-hmm. no long after that they made a change themselves um, Ali Crawford I thought did again did did, did well when he came on um, it was kind of um, that delivery into the box for Gillespie's chance yeah. was exceptional Aye. and it just took a world if he, from uh, from Jammer to stop yeah. that Sorry, Jamie McDonald. Um, aye, it's took a, that was a brilliant save. Do you know what I think? Like that would have been for that cross and to hit that first time. Uh, do you know I, for him to get down that fast and stop it dead? Aye, with his hand was. I think enough been said about it. I got a better it, view of it in the highlights. Uh, you know where, where where I'm standing. It's, it's kind of almost going through a sea, but it was aye. That was a it was a great save, and and as you're saying, holding on to it. Um, uh, and I was about to say we, we kind of saw the game out. They had eleven chances, but none on target. I'm looking at it here, um, which is which is quite something. Uh, I lost Vaughn had five. Yeah, um, he's got a very squeaky voice. I don't know if it's him or if it was. Uh, the, no, he does. The, no, he does. He does. He does. I didn't know if it was him <laughs> or was it Akio. But I was like, oh, my goodness, one of them because it, 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 the first half I was I was behind the goal uh, watching it. So we were we were kind of right in front of uh, Miller when he's kind of put the ball in. Um, so we get almost like ringside view of him. Absolutely. Sending Gwenya to the shops, um, but I was like, "Who is that shooting?" By the way, that's outrageous. So it was it was Lewis Vaughan. So that will be why the referee heard them from about well, fifty yards away. I yep. assume <laughs> it was the, the second yellow was apparently for punching the ball. Right. Yeah. So the free kick got given, and then I think the ball was about to break for him on the right hand side. He's picked up and he's punched it to the ground, <laughs> and apparently that's what. That's what he got the second jello for. Who was the the? This shows how much I watch games. Who was the number four for them? Ross Millen. Ross Millen. I thought he was on the ball quite a lot, and he was also a greeting faced mess. 
Um, he did a lot of greeting quite a lot throughout the match. Probably because um, his dad was next to him over that. Uh, true, to uh. try to prove a point to him. Yeah. Um, I th- I thought he got he got on. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I I'm not saying he was a bad player. I actually quite liked to look at him. I quite liked how much he was getting on the ball. Um, he was much taller than expected. Um, but I thought he was he was on the ball constantly for quite a lot of the match. Um, and he also had quite an outburst to one of his players really early on. What fifteen minutes in, maybe something like that, um, right beside the cow shed. Which, if you've got any brains, you just don't do because after that, the the slaughtering the boy got um, after his outburst shouting at his own player. I think it was something to do with how you know marking that man or something along him lines. Um, he, he he certainly got quite a roasting, and then somebody launched a ball at him, so the ball went into the cow shed, and somebody threw the ball back at him with venom. Would probably be the word I would use. Um. It looked, it looked quite hard for the other side of the pitch. Yes, it was. Um, it was certainly venomous when he when he threw it. So, um, aye, I think he had a bit of a torrid time in front of that cow shed. Aye, well, since we're generally on to race players losing the plot a bit, uh, yeah, we're we're as well talking about the red cards. So, I'm gonna come out with a hot take here, which is that that first booking should actually be a red card because n- not only is it a clear handball. It derives a clear goal scoring opportunity. That pass is about to put Crawford clean through on goal. He blatantly handballs it. That should be a red card. Then, two minutes later, he makes that challenge down by the corner flag. That's a stonewall yellow. He should be walking at that point. He then uh, had another so, one after that. There was It was, it was three. Ah, yeah, because it was him. And the one he gets sent off for was his third. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, has he actually been sent after persistent? Given a yellow, yeah, no, that, no, that's exactly yeah. what that's exactly what he gets sent off for. This persistent fouling, um, but no, that's what I was going to say. All <laughs> oh, right, aye, aye, it was persistent fouling. Can I be also quite bold? Um, Dunning alluded to it. I actually bizarrely didn't cheer the red cards. I know normally you get all excited, oh, red card, brilliant, but. On one hand, I'm, I'm obviously looking at the game and saying, right, we need to get a win here, fine, got to win. But immediately after that, them two red cards get given, I'm thinking, we are relying on them next week. We are absolutely relying on them to do a business. And if two of their starters, well, I think, I'm presuming their starters, um, are, are missing the game, it's not very good. And I think that although it was good for us on Saturday and it certainly helped us get the win I just I'm not I wasn't as delighted as I normally am when a red card comes out because I knew that I could be quite detrimental to to that game next week and relying on them to to help us out a bit I was more thinking I just the second one went off and I was like this has got Kenny Shields written all over it here it's very (laughs) difficult to hold on against nine men and I was just thinking, they're just going to watch us, big bond a box, flick on in a goal here. But um, but aye, we're pretty comfortable. I did kind of feel for the second yellow card because you can be for if he thinks he's going to get the break. Like players should naturally get frustrated. I think that's what Ian Murray said in his presser as well, wasn't it? In the club media, I don't know if you, I don't know if him watched it, but um, I thought it was quite harsh to then go over. Um, because I think the complaint was if you're going to send off our player for the tackle like that. And you've got sort of one of their players going in two minutes later with a lunge the way that they did. That's what I think that was the shouts for, from the, the race dugout as to how he's not getting a booking, um, even though he did. Um, I just, that ref sort of seemed to let a lot go for about 75% of that game. And then he just kind of seemed to lose the rag after that. I thought personally, um, just call it just one consistency, don't you? I think the standard of the refereeing for the three months I've been back now has been shocking. And that's as a result of VAR because your cat 
won refs that weren't doing the Premiership games are now varring in the VAR room for the Premiership games and then you get the people who weren't in the Championship beforehand are now getting rushed into games of a bigger magnitude than into a melting pot basically that they've not had to deal with before unless they've had the, the privilege of refereeing a Auchin like Cumnock game or whatever in the East is that sort of tight derby you know um, and I think the, the Championship's get taken a fair hit of not as quality because the teams are very very close and in that regard, but I think this this the standard of the game and consistency of the decisions that have been made has has dropped considerably from this time last year. Yeah, it's been a persistent problem all season, and it's you know, there, there's enough wrong with with VAR to to complain about in and of itself. But uh, yeah, that is sort of like the forgotten cost of it. That in all the weekly criticism of whatever terrible decision that's been made in the top flight, where it's been used or not used, is never really brought up in the media of the knock-on impact it's had on every league below it now having poorer referees. But uh, yeah, if we uh, go on to look at next week then, so and we should probably just go through the league table just now as well. Uh, so... Oh, this is a heavy... Yeah, I'm not thinking anything else's fixtures as well. But yeah, so, so that's us in sixth place on 51 points with two games to go. Air, one point above us also with two games to go. Partick, two points above us with two games to go. And Cali Thistle, four points above us with only one game to go. And Cali Thistle and Air also play each other on the last day. So, yeah, we are undoubtedly in the position where we need to win both of these games. There's absolutely no way that uh, enough results will go away elsewhere, that four points will, will be enough here. And, yeah, you're either hoping for Cali Thistle and Air draw with each other on the last day, which is... I mean, if... The way I see it, if Cali Thistle need to win that game, they're gone. So I'd rather not be dependent on that. But that means we need Air to not beat Wraith next week, which, as we're just discussing, that's those two suspensions don't help that matter. And we need Partick to take fewer than four points from Arbroath this coming Saturday and Wraith the following Saturday. So seeing that it's a must-win game coming up this Saturday against Queen's Park, uh, what changes would you make? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he if we start with a kind of a normal traditional central pairing of Blues and Gillespie, um, and then it's who's in front of them. I think Calvin Miller starts. Um, is he if he's going he's going Oakley and Muirhead? Um, then you're Robbie Crawford as well. So is it is it Calvin Miller right or left? And Robbie Muirhead other side, and then Crawford. I don't know. And behind Oakley. Um, Ah, actually, controversial view here. I, I, I actually wonder, the, the, the two of them have done well for us, but I wonder if playing both Muirhead and Oakley sometimes is just maybe losing us a wee bit of what we had previously. Um, but we need to control the centre of the pitch, I would say, against like a uh, Boateng in particular. And then they just, just, just their area probably just in front of that, and they're sort of attacking. Uh, kind of fulcrum like like a savory and, and guys like that. So um I would I I would go Miller, Muirhead and um Robbie Crawford with Oakley up top and Blues in Gillespie as a central two. With a caveat that you, again you're probably looking at a change being made after about an hour. Um and whether do, do you know what I mean? Whether whether it's um uh, King coming on or whatever. Um I don't know what you think. I mean I think that Certainly, 
I spoke about being bold earlier. Um, now listen, I, I think the time is now for, for my outburst. Um, I've been waiting a long time for this. I've been reading a lot of utter guff on these message boards and on Twitter about our chances for the rest of the season. I'm talking utter guff, people writing us off. Um, these results to go our way are not impossible. In fact, they're far from impossible. So people saying, oh, that season's over, season's over, that's us, oh, that, that's us done. It's just utter nonsense. I mean, it really is. If if people have that mentality, we'll not, we'll not do it. I mean, I, I genuinely believe, I'll go out on a limb here and say it, if we do the two results, if we get the two results, we'll get it. I'm, I'm honestly convinced that if we win both of our games, we'll do it. And everybody's saying, oh, oh we're, we're done, this whole thing is over. I have seen much more mental results in the past. So the, to say even air against Wraith next week, or Arbroath against Partick, or all these, all these various um, games that that are coming up to, towards the, the end of the season, even Inverness and Air, I, I certainly don't want to be relying on Inverness and Air going into the last game of the season, because I... I, I, I Dunning mentioned, I think Inverness would probably do it, but these results are not impossible. And, and for people to, to write us off with two games to go, two two very doable games. I mean, Queen's Park, we've actually got a decent record against, and we've, we can do that. It's actually Cove I'm more worried about than Queen's Park, weirdly. Um, but if we get six points out of six for these last two games, I am fairly confident we'll do it. And I I just want people to just shut up a day. I just want them to, I know people want me to shut up, just do, but I want people to shut up and just back the team for these last few games. We can talk about the season and how much we've we've let let ourselves do in various games. Um and, and let me tell you see start of the season, total opposite. We actually got results out of games we had near right getting results out of. So it kinda swings in roundabouts. I just want people to to have a bit of faith, see that these results aren't impossible. And belief, because if we don't believe, we've got no chance. Thank you. Do you know who I blame you, Bo? Go for it. Peter Case, who I fucking right. Yeah, we'll start with that one. Okay, so as so much, so much belief you're going to watch Peter K as opposed to going up to Cove in the final. Uh-huh, so I should probably address this. Um, uh, so yes, there's nothing to address. No, no. You're a hypocrite. So, so, you're nothing but anyway, a So yes, yes, I am. I am going to Peter K on, on the the fifth of May. Um, and the agreement me and my dad came to was that if Morton were going for a title, which when we bought the tickets was actually a really, really big possibility at that time. Um, it shows how much belief you had in them to see the job hey, through. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You dirty uh, That's out. enough. So we, we, we'd agreed that if it was for the title, we would be leaving Peter Kay. But because we're in a position where the playoffs, you've still got maximum six games to go, we believe that although great probably with media playoffs we would not be as ecstatic as we would be obviously winning the title and you you would question so say you miss out in the playoffs and don't do very well in them and you've patched the greatest comedian to ever live to watch your team getting six games to play it didn't seem right to me so absolutely if people want to come at me come ahead but I stand by Peter Kay greatest comedian to ever live and I'll be there with bells on thank you and the comedian's words himself, you will, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> um, very good, very good. But, um, I, I blame Dundee. If we, if Dundee hadn't scored late against us, Me and too. then if they, and then Me if they too. hadn't but they conceded against Inverness on Saturday, we, we would have been getting into Saturday knowing that a win would have effectively put it in our own hands a wee bit. Mm-hmm. 
are, are a wee bit more in our own hands in that the, the do you know what I mean? We we knew that if we were going to win, um, we could we could actually want a, an Inverness win in the last game of the season and we could have still finished above them. But as things are just now, I just I just think there's too many variables that I I want us to win both our games, obviously, but I just think there's too many variables. We're expecting two out of three teams to drop something. And I just, I just, we do. and especially with with Wraith playing both the teams and with their injury and now suspension issues, I just think it's going to be a wee step too far. I do think Wraith have boys coming back. I think um, one of which being a defender, um, which could help them. They've also got a, quite a decent record against Partick this season. Um, and just, you said you wanted two of the three teams. Was it two or three, or two of the three? Two of the three. Two of, the three, need to two, two of the three teams dropping uh, significant enough. I sorry, no, I, I kind of sorry, I kind of zoned out there as you were Aye, talking. Um, most people do. But, uh, <laughs> sorry, no, uh, but you've got you've got two of the three teams playing each other on the final day, which is a Aye, big thing. They could draw. Um, and now to dip my toes in hot water. What was what happened the last time? We were reliant on air, not getting the result up at Inverness. <laughs> no, no. I love that for you. I love it. And can I just say as well? No, on if, the... well, no but if they could draw again, unless they did that, that'd be oh, it'd be really, it'd be really, really good. And thankfully, we've not got a certain player playing for us this time. Quite. Um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll go no further on on that matter. Um, but hey, things even themselves out over over the course of the season. I think. Over the last couple of weeks, things have gone against Morton that were maybe going for them at the start of the season. So now come the end of the season, it could be time to go for them again. Who's finishing so, second bottom? Right? Here's the thing, because keep thinking that our both are going to kick, in, kick into gear, but I've now gone to the point of thinking, right, we can't trust our both anymore. Like, especially going into a game at the I think our both will be okay. Do you think so? I think our both will be okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be okay. Um, I think it was stay yeah, as it was. Bear in mind, Hamilton have only got the one game left now as well. Of course, of course, so they have. Um, I there, there was a scenario that I think Hamilton can only finish in the bottom two now. And if uh, Cove, Cove losing Saturday, they basically get into our game knowing that they have to win to I. They have to win to try and salvage they, something. They have there. to win to guarantee the the, the 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 chance of finishing in the bottom, the, the second bottom. Um, so. I, I think um, what, what also helped in Saturday was Cove's win. Uh, I think if Arbroath won, the incentive against Partick would have almost been lost. But um, now they they still need to go for it, basically. Um, and I, I was actually delighted to see that Cove result in Saturday because um, if, if we're needing them to go to Partick uh, and get a result, knowing that it's going to be really important for them, it's, it's going to give a much it's going to give an edge to to this game and and I think that like I said at the start people think these results are just impossible how can this happen for Morton and I think that's just a lot of nonsense I, I have seen much mental much more mental results than the ones we're expecting for in the last few games so um, listen is that a big ask absolutely we're relying on other teams but it's it's far from an impossible ask and, and I certainly think six points for the last two I, I'd be comfortable to say we would get it it also wouldn't be Morton if it wasn't going down to the wireless. Absolutely, absolutely. We are we are playing into the history of Morton, and I think they deserve a bit of respect for that because they know that we need to be Morton, and we are being Morton just now. So respect for that. And as well as that, what, um, what was the? Do you, done in you, do you know what our points total when we finished fourth in uh, twenty seventeen was? How many points did we finish with? Um, uh, I'm fairly confident. Well, if that if we do win to, we're gonna. I've at least matched that. Give me two seconds and I will tell you right now. 
2016 Sorry, put you in a Championship. Um, aye, we, we got 52 points that season. So, right. So, yeah, we only need one more point from the last two games to, to match that total. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is worth noting as well, that um, oh, even if we take three or four points from the next two games and miss out with that total, the it's, only it's team... still been a very good season. Aye. And just sort of... The, the lack of a team running away with the title has actually maybe worked against us in that regard. That the league Fair. has been so tight that you've had a you're having teams with higher points totals that would usually get you in the top four missing out. The fact is, currently we're only again we're only one of, one of only two teams that have lost less than double figures, lost single figures games. Um, That's the draws exactly. Because um, if you look at um, I just did a wee look up of the stats for you there of that. 2017 playoff finish sorry 16-17 playoff finish obviously you finished on 52 points and you had a points per game ratio of 1.44 and you're now sitting with two games to play on one point less but with a points per game ratio of 1.5 so the stats read okay the stats read as if it could happen I think it's going to happen yeah I mean certainly that's why that's why you get down to Capo on Saturday and support the boys because it's a massive six pointer. It's, it's, it's a big one. I, I certainly I, I certainly would be because um... it's a game that throws everything open. Like not even for the playoffs, like the title as well. Mm-hmm. Because you win on Morton win on Saturday, it throws the basically puts an arm on arm on the cup for for Dundee. Can I just say as well? I'm actually delighted we're staying up. I've said this all season. I am delighted we're staying up, and I I don't I not for one second did I expect us to be in this position. So as as Dunning said, it's actually been a very good season. Um, and it would be the icing on the cake if that season was completed with uh, quite a remarkable playoff spot, which would be just tremendous. I day I genuinely I I I'll echo what I've said and I'll stand by it. Six points will do us, and it's a big call and it's a big claim. But these games are not impossible, and I have the faith that six points will do us. Worth noting as well, Dodsey, just on your uh, yes, on your hand, possibly hand the title to Dundee point. Dundee are playing the Friday night, so if they've beaten Cove on the Friday, then yeah, so we'll know that uh, yeah, if Dundee do do win at home at Cove on Friday, which you would expect them to, then. I a win for us on Saturday would would confirm Dundee as champions. Uh, so even even a draw pretty much does it for Dundee. Looking yeah, at realistically, I because Dundee are ten goals better off as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that should about do us. So you both, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, darling, great to be here. Thanks very much for having me, Alan. Pleasure as ever. Thanks for having me again. Oh, no problem. And Dodgy, thanks very much for coming on. Pleasure's all mine, mate. Thanks very much. Great. So we've now got an interview with, that Dean did with Stephen and Stuart from Morton and the Community's Team Talk Initiative. So hang around for that. And thanks very much, everyone, for listening. This is an important message from the Tale of the Bank Credit Union. Remember that we are here for you. We share this message often because it's important. Don't get hooked in by loan sharks. Avoid the pitfall of debt solutions. Stop, take a breath and consider your options. Tale of the Bank Credit Union are Inverclyde's credit union. We are non-profit making and put our members first. Call us for a confidential chat before falling into the trap of high rate lenders or debt solutions that aren't right for you. Contact us via creditunioninverclyde.com by phone on 01475 734 655 or via our social media feeds and see how Inverclyde Credit Union can support you to save, borrow and plan for tomorrow. So I'm delighted to be joined by Stephen and Stuart who are both participants in Morton and the Community's Team Talk Initiative. So gentlemen, thank you very much for coming on. Stephen, how are you? I'm not too bad myself. 
Excellent. Just saying there, we're obviously planning the evening sport and viewing, so I think you're sitting glued to Arsenal Southampton and I've been watching a bit of the snooker, so sounds like an excellent Friday night. It's a great Friday night, especially if I win money. <laughs> Brilliant. And Stuart, thank you very much for coming on. I hear you're a little bit under the weather, a bit of a cough at the moment. Yeah, so a bit under the weather at the moment, but just got to ride through it and get to work as well. Perfect. No, thank you very much for coming on, guys. We really, really appreciate it. So for anyone that's not familiar with Team Talk, could you give us just a, a quick rundown of what Team Talk is and the purpose of the initiative? Team Talks, it's um, basically where um, men and, you know, men of young and old age can come together and feel safe um, and just kind of comfortable and open up um, and just talk about how their day's been or if they want to talk about things that have maybe annoyed them or, you know, things that they're maybe struggling to talk about with family or friends, they can come, have a blender, have a chat and just basically have a safe place to open up any issues they might feel they have. Fantastic. So what would you say the main the main benefits of attending Team Talk would be, Stuart? So the main benefits, got to echo what Stephen says, because obviously the rate of suicide in the Clyde, you know, unfortunately, it's not the best as well. So getting to the group is that ability to take that one step over the door and actually go and talk to people as well. It's very hard. It's very intimidating. But I must say, the group and the guys that run it make it so natural. And as Stephen will attest, the guys that are in it, you know, are so encouraging as well. And it just allows you to be yourself, open up, and actually talk about stuff that you might not talk to your family or friends, you know, outside of that group. How long have you been attending the programme for, Stuart? And how much of a difference has it made to your life? So I've been there since day one. So, um, so that's like we're coming up to, I think in May, it's the fourth year, fourth birthday as well. So quite a lot, quite a long time. Um, it's hard to say what difference it's made. And I always use this as a comparison. I used to be very dependent on antidepressants as well. And I've not taken antidepressants for nearly two years now. And that is purely down to going to the group and obviously engaging with people within the group and their support. Like, for example, we have the WhatsApp group and it's not just that one day. It can be any day of the week as well. And it's made a massive difference to my life. Brilliant. What about yourself, Stephen? How long have you been involved for? I, I came about a month after it started. Um, so just about four years um, I've been attending. And I, I actually came because I was suffering from really, really, really bad depression. Um, I was basically... I felt lonely and lost and all my friends and, you know, some family members moved away. So I was quite, I was quite alone and I was contemplating suicide and various things because of health issues that I've got. Um, gave me real bad anxiety to actually go out um, places. So now I've came to this and, you know, Stuart will probably um, say at some point I'm, I'm a completely different person now, you know. Um, I'm now actually doing things like this. I mean, four or five years ago, I would have never even considered coming on one of these kind of podcasts mm-hmm. to talk about it. Um, yeah. And it's all down to this um, team talk in the group. It's gave me confidence um, to go out and about again. Um, I've made friends from it. And it's just, it's really helped me relive my life rather than sitting in and doing absolutely nothing. So i tell you what, Stephen, if there's someone out there who's listening to this and maybe can resonate with that story, they've maybe been a little bit hesitant to come forward or to kind of open up. What would you say to them? I would say to them just to give it, give it a try. Um, come along. You don't need to say much at all, even if you just want to come and remain silent. You know, 
just come and experience the atmosphere that we bring to it on a Monday. Um, we generate a great atmosphere. We provide biscuits and things as well. Um, you know, you don't need to come and speak about how you feel. You can come and just listen. And that might actually give you the encouragement to realise there's people suffering the way you are. Um, and it might actually, you know, give you a new mindset um, about life. But definitely just come along and enjoy the laugh because sometimes that's all you need. You don't actually need to open up. You just need that bit of company and just a wee bit of laugh and banter in your life. Fantastic. So obviously you guys were, were in the initiative in, in Team Talk pre-COVID, during COVID, and now as we as we exit COVID and the, we obviously will look beyond COVID restrictions. How important is it, do you think, that people continue to focus on their mental wellbeing, Stuart? It's massively important and I'm a great believer don't don't wait till you hit rock bottom. You could just be having a bad day, and I think that's what mental health support's about. It's recognizing you know that you're not having a good day for whatever reason, and you've got to reach out to somebody because that is what this is all about: reaching out, talking to somebody, you know, and just making sure that you can go to a group that might be available or something. And if you don't put your mental health first and foremost and look after yourself, that's when you're going to struggle. That was a a really excellent and into into the team talk program and I think it's fantastic that obviously the the initiative has made such a massive difference in the lives of obviously you guys and and the rest of the group so Stuart Stephen thank you very much for coming on that was a really fascinating listen thank you you. it was good to listen as well well that's the show folks remember to check out themortonforum.com for the latest Morton news discussion and articles featuring the excellent match photography of GBR photographs make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and we'd love to hear your feedback or questions on any of our social platforms at the Morton Forum